Hey, 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 beings. You are listening to the Self-Tivity Podcast. I am your host, Danny, your self-investment storyteller. Today's episode features a special guest who will be a valuable participant in our Being to Being Self-Tivity segments. The Being to Being segments are a fun way to connect with beings who are open-minded, enjoys thought-provoking questions, and perspective-shifting concepts. I also invite entrepreneurs and business owners who have a thought, product, or service that contributes to our self-investment journey in the areas of personal growth, mindset, well-being, entrepreneurship, and or financial empowerment. Guests will participate in our Being to Being activities bi-weekly, so be sure to follow so you don't miss out on all the fun. Let's find out who's on today and what self-tivity experience they will present to us. Are you ready? Because I am. And today I have a very special guest on the show. We are going to talk about dreams with Miss Harmon. Harmon is the founder of Black Vigilant Psychics, which is a psychic service experience. I just want to take this time before we get started to allow Harmon to introduce herself instead of me, because I know we can all introduce ourselves better than anyone else. So Harmon, give us a little bit about who you are before we get started with today's show. Hello. I'm Harmon. I am a vigilant psychic tarot reader and dream interpreter. I have owned my business, Vigilant Psychic, Black Vigilant Psychic, for three years. I am predominantly known for giving specific times and dates of events that will occur. I have been able to reach a mass of people and give readings that have helped people find what they're looking for in life. Normally, I like to go face-to-face, so I am available with Zoom calls and also telephones or emails. Um, My dream interpretation skills I've had since a very young age. My father is a pastor of a very predominant church. Um, Him already being guided by the spiritual and me having just a natural reality, wisdom or divinity for the reality. That's what led me to discover my psychic abilities. I'm very happy to be here and glad to be giving information and background on interpretations today. Awesome. Well, I'm very happy to have you here. I think it's going to be a very exciting show, very interactive. We are going to start off with a game, actually. And what I call this game is Thought ER. So Thought ER is an opportunity for me to share some quotes or some concepts related to the guests in their industry. And so I have those seven quotes prepared for Ms. Harmon. She has no idea what I'm going to say to her today. I'm going to say the quote, and then she's going to have one minute on the clock to respond and she can respond however she feels she needs to respond. So this could be an agreement. This could be a disagreement. This can just be responding to whatever I say. When she has 10 seconds left in her minute, she's going to get some type of indicator for me where she can see on the screen. You guys who are listening won't be able to see, but she can see that she has 10 seconds and then I'll go and move on to the next quote or statement. Do you have any questions about the game, Ms. Harmon? Um, No questions at this moment. Let's get started. Okay, awesome. Before I go into the game, I do want to share because I did a little bit of research on your website and I found two reviews. So I just want to share that with the audience. I thought that um, that would be special to share and she didn't know that I was going to do this. So I just want to share what two people have said about her services. So Harmon is very detailed in her readings. She is thorough, explains her answers and doesn't rush. She spoke to me as a sister, not a psychic. She opened my eyes about my situation. Another person says the reading gave me a lot of information that's going to be very useful in my life. It was uplifting and motivating. So go Harmon. Yay. (laughs) Thank you. All right. All right. So let's go ahead and get into the Thought ER session. Let me go ahead and put my clock on. Let me slow down a little bit. I feel a little bit rushing. I feel like I'm rushing this shit right now. So <laughs> I think I'm just excited, like trying to get to this gene interpretation part. So for those, if you, if you feel me uh, sound like I'm a little rushed, I'm, I'm about to slow down now <laughs> and get ready into this game. Okay. I'll start the clock after I read the first quote. Manifesting your reality is not magical. Rather, the transformative power of manifesting is neurobiological, it is psychological, and it's phenomenological. One minute on the clock. Manifesting your reality is very much dedication. Dedication is the number one thing. You need to wake up at an hour that is the most prominent that you've seen in your life. 
you need to speak to yourself with nothing but guided intentions. And you need to dedicate yourself to learning the difference between positive and negative. A lot of people struggle with knowing if they're speaking into their life positively. And a lot of people struggle with speaking too much positive to their own mind. When you attach a manifestation, that's you attaching the belief to you. You can live, you can live all day long saying, I want to have long hair. I want to have long hair. I want to have long hair. If you're not hydrating your hair, you are missing a key piece. And that is how manifestation requires dedication. Awesome. We went a little bit over for that one. Next time I'm going to go ding, ding, ding. <laughs> but that was good. You're, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, want to cut you off because it was getting good. So I'm going to do a ding, ding, ding when you have 10 seconds left. Okay. Next one. For a dream coming through the multitude of business, one minute on the clock. For a dream to know if you're going to have a multiple business diversity? No, it says for a dream coming through the multitude of business. So basically dreams come from there being a lot of business in your day. Oh, that's a fair thought that your dreams can actually be willed by your daily activity. I don't believe that. <laughs> I think that a lot of people um, have prominent dreams, maybe four or five times a month, and they string together their whole dream movie and think that all the dreams have been prominent when truly it's about four or five of them that you've had within that month that are telling you directly what's happening in your life. And then the rest are just your intake on your surroundings. Even while you're asleep, you can hear things and that can interpret and willfully twist your dreams. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. That was a beautiful question. That was wonderful. All right. Awesome. Next one. People attribute meaning to dreams when it corresponds with their pre-existing beliefs and desires. One minute on the clock. People contribute meaning to dreams. I've lived through that phase, actually, where I thought that every dream that told me to get on a bus or to get in the vehicle and drive 3,000 miles away and start over was the dream for me. I've learned that a lot of what you have in dreams is called astral projection. And it's just showing you where your mind frame is. It's not necessarily directing your path because your conscious mind directs your path. Your subconscious mind, your dreams talks to you. They are talking to you. They are talking to you about everything that you've ever thought. They're not directing you. They're just telling you. And that's how dreams are interpreted. <laughs> I think you're trying to fulfill that one minute. I appreciate it. All right. Next one. Lucid dreaming. One minute on a clock. Lucid dreaming. Everybody's had that dream on the toilet. <laughs> everybody has everybody has woken up at 2 a.m. and have to rush to the bathroom because you were sitting on the toilet eating a bag of popcorn and you were not in reality. You were definitely in the dreamscape. That is lucid dreaming at the earliest. And I have learned that plenty of people lucid dream actively and plenty of people meditate so they can lucid dream even more. That's a way of talking to yourself. It's self-soothing. It removes trauma. It removes buildup. It removes negative energy. It removes borders, walls. Lucid dreaming is a positive way to interact with yourself. And I believe that. <laughs> way to interact with yourself. Awesome. Next one. My life is going in the total opposite direction of what I see in my dreams. One minute on the clock. That goes back to me explaining that dreams are not necessarily, they're not there at all to direct your path. They're just there to talk to you. If you have a dream telling you that in 30 years, you're on a famous fashion line and you don't have any sewing skills, you have to understand you're just talking to yourself. You're just self-soothing. A lot of people need to know that their dreams are there just to self-soothe them. As in your inner intimacy, your inner femininity, your inner masculinity, they're all wrapped into that dream and they're there to soothe you. So you might not own that fashion, <laughs> fashion line, but if it's in your dream and you're loving it, keep on manifesting it, keep on lucid dreaming, keep going back to that area and keep living that, keep living that dream. It's perfect for you. That's why it's there. Awesome. Next one. Do dreams lie? One minute on the clock. 
dreams do not lie. Dreams do not have the ability to form a deception. <laughs> if that makes any sense, dreams cannot be deceptive. If it's happening in your dream, your physical body is somehow responding to it or your mind has been thinking over it over and over and over again. And now you're landscaping it out or mapping it out. No, dreams cannot lie to you. If you have a dream that you are walking through a jungle full of crickets, your ears may be just twitching in reality from thinking you are hearing crickets. You're very connected with your higher self when you dream and you're very aware of all of your surroundings in that landscape. That's why dreams are called dreams. They definitely move you. Awesome. And then last one, daydreaming. One minute on the clock. Um, it's called maladaptive dreaming. Maladaptive dreaming is when you're having a very active dream while you're awake, which is a daydream. Um, they don't necessarily have to be during the daytime. You can have a maladaptive dream at nine o'clock at night while you're watching Seinfeld. It just <laughs> depends on what your mind is really trying to tell you, what it's trying to talk to you about, and what it's trying to communicate with you about. Me personally, I use the maladaptive dream about being a ninja. A <laughs> We would be in the car riding to church on Sunday and my mom would be like, what you doing? I'm like, I was a ninja just then. She's like, you're not a ninja. <laughs> but that's how you, that's, that's a good way of gauging where your imagination is and where your creativity is coming from. It's a good way of knowing what you can create for yourself. My adaptive dreaming or daydreaming. Awesome. Harmon, that was beautiful. You did an awesome job and I appreciate you experiencing the Thought ER session here on the Self 2D podcast. I hope you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> yes, that was very fun. I like it. Awesome. So I do want to share with the listeners that when I met, if you haven't checked out my YouTube page, Healthy Mind, I have a few videos on there. So I had Harmon as a guest on the show and we we were able to connect and we spoke about her coming on to talk about dreams. And as I was talking to her, she was, you know, she suggested I should get some friends together and have them experience her dream interpretation skills. And I just thought, hmm, I'm not sure if I have any friends. And then I kind of like postponed and I was like, well, maybe I'll, we'll, we'll just wait. And then suddenly I had a dream. So I was like, you know what? This is interesting. I had a dream. I just told her that I didn't think we should do the podcast yet. And then now we are here and excited to share my dream. And you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, are you supposed to share your dream out loud to like people who are listening? But I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go with the flow. I don't feel like people can come in and do anything crazy. I hope that. I hope you guys are all lovers out there. But I am going to experience my first interpretation well dreaming interpretation I would say actually it probably was not the first one I've had one of my friends she experiences with different type of readings so I think she interpreted a dream like off the cuff one time but this is my first formal interaction with it so what is Yay. what is the um, process like <laughs> how do you um start your your clients when you are doing interpretation what is the okay how so you map out your journey the first thing I need you to do is soothe your energy. Um, I just need you to soothing. Think back, think back to the dream. Think back to where you were. Think back to the placement. See if you see any specific colors that you can remember that stood out to you. Any sounds? Was there any talking? Any communication? Was it in a place that you remember or was it in a completely new place? Just gather those general questions that you have that you need to be answered from the dream as if the dream was talking directly to you. Just let me know what the dream was saying and what you felt during the dream. Did you feel happiness after? Were you sad? Were you confused? Did you feel lost? Did you feel guided? Did you feel anything that made you focus heavily on the dream? And then you can go ahead and tell me the dream. Like I said, I would need to know anything specific. Was it a place that you've been before? Were there any colors that stood out to you? Things of that nature. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I would say that the dream did feel guided. And I remember being in a car. I'm not sure where exactly I was, like what location, but it seemed like it was a busy city or a busy surrounding. But when I was in a car, I was with someone and the person that I was with, I wasn't able to see them, but what I felt was that I knew the person and that they made me happy and they made me laugh. 
and we had a good connection, but I could not see them or even identify who it could have been after the dream. So we were in the car. We were in the back of a car. It seemed like it would be a taxi. The feeling of it felt like a taxi. And we were discussing what I would say that I was when we got to our destination. And that destination was kind of like a hospital, but not exactly. And I'll get to that point after. But when we were in the, the destination, we were laughing about what I should say to present myself as something like a, I was going to be a title after the experience we were about to go in order to, I guess, I don't know why we were thinking of this title, but it was like, I, it's almost like, let's say like you and your friend were like, okay, we want to mm-hmm. boost up your resume or something. So don't say that you were just an admin, say that you were something different. So, you know, but I wanted to, I remember in that conversation in the car that I wanted to say that I was something that I could really connect with and it, it didn't feel like a lie. So I didn't want to do anything that felt like I was lying, but it's something that I could interpret and to be something that was real. So we're trying to say whether or not I was something like we ended up saying that I was going to be a grief counselor or a grief counselor coach. Mm-hmm. So we get to the destination and the destination feels like it was a hospital. But when we got there, I would, he, the person, and I think it was a male, was supposed to open the door. And it was like some type of doctor there, but not really a doctor. I have no idea what, but the energy felt like it would be doctor like, because it didn't really feel like a hospital, maybe like a waiting room. And all they were about to do was open the door. And as they opened the door, they were going to be gone forever. And I think when they shut the door, I was supposed to then tell the doctor that I was a grief counselor. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we were laughing the whole time, but we also knew that this was going to be the very end of us knowing each other. It was almost like somebody had a planned death and we knew that they were about to die. But, you know, it was all known, but I was there for the experience. You know how like people die and it's like, you don't know. I mean, you might know that they're about to die because they're on a deathbed and things like that. But it was like we were just walking to this person's death and I was mm-hmm. supposed to be a grief counselor afterwards for the title or whatever. So then the person walks into the door and then the doctor or whatever that energy was closed the door. And then I tried to tell the doctor that I was the grief counselor, but I couldn't say that with a straight face because it felt like a lie was being dismantled. Like I wasn't a grief counselor. Like I couldn't be the grief counselor. And then I just cried and cried and cried. Like I finally felt the heaviness of the fact that the person was gone because the whole time mm-hmm. the ride there, the fact that we we closed the door together and we had one last. It was like, I didn't know that I had to activate myself being a grief counselor. And so when the doctor closed the door, the person was gone. I was just left by myself and I couldn't say the words. I'm a grief counselor. I started crying and it was like the heaviest feeling of crying that I possibly ever had in my life. And when I woke up, I felt like a grief counselor for myself. That was the feeling I had. It was almost like it went from this heavy drain of emotions to like a relief, like I served as a grief counselor for myself by dismantling a lie that I didn't try to pose as true. But at the same time, I became that lie also became a truth for me because I became my own grief counselor. That's what I got from the experience. Actually, a very good dream, honestly, because I want to start off with the car. Yeah, because it does represent that you were in an unknown city. And I know that a lot of people being in spaces where they are not necessarily used to inside of their dreams, they get this sort of placidness of um, disfamiliarity. They're not familiar. And I'll connect that to the end because that was a guided dream. Um, it definitely came from a family member connection. I wrote down femininity and also masculinity. So your mother or your grandmother, did they have a brother or did you have a great uncle or an uncle that you're very, that you were very connected with or that you were not aware of? He could have already passed away before you were born, or it could be a grandfather. It's a grandfather. It's someone on your mom's side, though. It's definitely a male member on your mom's side. And the thing is, we all have guided entities that are from our family, and we call them ancestors, that mm-hmm. are connected with us that have already passed on well before we were born, yeah. well before we were born. So that definitely was the masculine figure that was there talking with you, laughing with you. And I'm quite honestly sure if you reached out in the spiritual again for even more guided it seems like he's very in tune to where you are mentally it seems like he's very aware as if in his life he went through the same exact things the same exact I don't want to say abandonment but the same exact loneliness 
mm-hmm. it seems like he definitely has come into your life at this point to let you know that that is a loneliness that your family sometimes feels and that he's there to help you if you want to escape to the dream world. It also shows that he guided you to a local area. I don't know if you were planning on moving or if you had been planning on moving to a different area or if relocation was in your mind, but him definitely leading you to a local area like a hospital or a library or a case of study place lets me know that he's telling you do not relocate. And Mm -hmm. um, just to look for changes. Um, It does seem that from what I'm getting with the happiness that you felt, normally when people feel that amount of happiness with that amount of movement, it's directly connected to their birthday, which is the first channel of happiness that your human body has felt. So Mm -hmm. look for changes coming up around your birthday is what I'm getting. And also him going in and, um, you know, supposedly have leaving the door open to you. It's actually the opposite. That was him closing you from any negative masculine energy, masculine Mm. energy. He was definitely closing that cycle of you not understanding masculine energy within yourself and within the people around you. So even after the dream, if you want to let me know, did you feel more aware of different things that people have said towards you, different things that you've heard, different conversations coming from people who have not necessarily masculine genitals (laughs) or a gender, (laughs) but... um, (laughs) (laughs) masculine energy it can be um a corporate leader a boss a apartment complex owner a general manager at the grocery store that you talk to whenever you buy your groceries there's definitely going to be a shift and there should should have already started to happen a shift with you becoming more aware of what people's masculine energy is saying and what people are trying to get through to you at that end i think the release that you felt definitely signifies it's time to boost your meditation your frequency and your energy and that's what i got from your dream interpretation if there was anything else that you noticed during the dream any small things like um animals running on the side of the street bikes being pushed anything else i could tell you definitely more of what's going to be going on within the next you know, I, like i said up until your birthday there mm-hmm. will be a couple of big changes so if there is anything that you noticed or if any side note dreams anything that you could have heard anything that your psyche could have picked up on i definitely would be able to interpret that for you but all in all it's a very good dream i mean it's definitely a guidance that's beautiful that someone from your family, one of your ancestors came through to speak to you about what you have been pondering. It's a new year. So that's even better to know that there is an energy there looking out for you and giving you just more wisdom than the average person has. That's a beautiful thing. A lot of people, they seek to find guidance. They're constantly burning incense. They're constantly burning sage, running out the sage population. They're constantly doing derivatory acts just to bring a, a guidance counselor from their ancestral lineage to them. That's a big part of what goes on in this world. And you have it genuinely. That family member genuinely felt connected to you, even though he's probably from the, I was getting a feeling like maybe the 70s, the 60s or the 70s. He's from quite a bit time ago. He's And in the 60s or the 70s, he was already like 45, 50. So he's well into being, well into knocking at 200 years old door. <laughs> oh, really? Well, he's well up there. Uh-huh. That's good. That's 200 years of wisdom inside of a dream that you can constantly go back to because hey, it seems like from him and your laughter and you saying when you were laughing, you genuinely felt like a light, like you felt a lit, you felt, you know, bigger, boosted, it genuinely shows that he was pushing that energy into you so that y'all could be comfortable. He really wants a connection with you for what's going on in your life. Mm. That's interesting. And I would say that it does feel like it with me in general, I think last and I like being able to laugh with someone because I can be very like rigid sometimes, like mm-hmm. especially if it's, if it's a new experience, if I'm just learning someone, I might not be as like fun or like loose. So I'll, you know, some me, people may interpret like, oh, why are you so serious? But I'm like, <laughs> fraud furthest from being serious but it's just that that's like my go-to like I just kind of make sure that I guess I'm scanning and whatever and make sure like because I can be very silly and it's not always received in different the world that's how it was when I was 
probably like my growing up, but now I, I really could care less because like, I don't, I don't want to say that, but now I'm just more free with being who I am. So like, I need to be laughing, you know, as a part of my... I understand that because as a child, we're not allowed, especially in our culture, we're not mm-hmm. allowed to take hiatuses just to laugh to ourselves, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? And you know what? I would say that I was given a lot of that time to do so. And it's funny because I remember I was a pretty happy child, like happy kid. And my mom, like I would be those one of those people that would like have like little concerts in my house by myself and just be singing and stuff like that. And then by the time my mom would get home, I would still be singing and then she would just go, Danielle, like, <laughs> like please. Because I literally would just, I had like happy, like feeling, entertaining myself. I was, you know, I'm still at this day really good at entertaining myself. And um, so I've always kind of been that way and the only person I can think like I wanted you were saying like on my mom's side like a brother or anything like that well he's 200 years old now and I'm not really sure but the only person I could really think of was my grandfather which I haven't even thought about my grandfather in a long time honestly so I, I initially I was just like oh it has to be my grandmother because me and my grandmother was so close when she was alive so I was like oh it gotta be my grandmother and you said you know going back to like oh my grandmother but my grandfather also had a twin brother so I could you know I could see that or you know I'm yeah you know. That's possible. Honestly, with the twins, if it's both of them and one of them represents the in the car feelings that you felt and then one of them represents you standing alone, it could have been them. Mm-hmm. It could have been them because that would be yin and yang. And that's very prominent in dreams. Yeah. I do feel like that whole like because the fact that because I don't know I can't remember like when I was in the car if I felt like I was going to it didn't feel like I was going to someone's death but it did feel like it was so much like happy laughing positive energy for something that was about to happen that Mm -hmm. it it masked it so well in such a beautiful way that even to the very end like when it was time to go to the door we were still in the energy I didn't I never got an opportunity to feel the grief into the door shut or to feel whatever like the emotions because it was like I had to play that role it was like the whole time we were practicing well, um, I wouldn't really call it um, and not to interpret anything about your your dream um, wrongly but yeah. um, I don't know if when you say grief it's the way that you're saying it yeah. and um, it could have been because sometimes people interpret grief with retaliation Okay. And they feel like they need to fight or they feel like they need to do something extra. They feel like they need to retaliate because they're sad. Um, You said when you woke up, you felt happy. You felt relieved. So, I mean, it is a form of grief, but I the way you're saying it is very confusing to me as if you weren't finished and then the person just left. So you weren't. Oh, it didn't. It didn't feel like. And I I don't know. I mean, I always assumed grief was like somebody died, and so you felt overwhelming sadness. And it didn't feel like. It felt like it was completely finished. Like I don't think anything in my life had felt so like Mm -hmm. completed. It was almost like. It felt so completed because not only did it not feel aborted, like it didn't feel like, oh, you abruptly had to leave. It felt like we all knew it was going to happen. And all the way to the very end, we were still happy. And then it was just time to shut the door. That's what it felt like. And so, like, I guess the the word grief, I don't know. I think I'm a Turk when I was in there. I thought it was like because the person seemed like they were about to die like but he only went through a door but the door was supposed to represent from what it felt like in a dream that I was never going to see them again and I don't know if that meant that they actually died or that because it felt like they were it was like they was like okay we're about to lay oh, down and okay. so, yeah, open that, the door and go in there yeah that was the part that I I think I don't maybe I didn't explain that too well the the door closing was you it mm-hmm. was you now gaining the ability to tell what people are saying from their masculine energy. It's not necessarily saying that your family members or the person who made you that happy or they're they're there, they're connected with you. Like you, there's a lot of substantialness in a door closing. And I understand people assume that means that's the end, but I get from the door closing and the fact that if you maybe had pushed just a little bit, you probably still would have heard like them continuing their walk on and you Mm. would still hear the 
laughter because they spent those last moments with you. Um, But I definitely interpret the door closing as you now in the physical world being Mm -hmm. able to understand masculine energy. Like you've grown, you've matured. Yeah. I mean, that makes that makes sense to me. This is fun. (laughs) Wow. I didn't, you know, I mean, I think you always like to hear stuff about their about their self. I think dream interpretations and and all the readings are just such a fun tool for us to invest in ourselves to really kind of get some insight from people. So I really appreciate you taking that time to interpret it. I do have a few more questions for you before I let you go. I just want to kind of get a, I know you said in a, a little bit in the beginning, how long you have been dream interpreting um, from your childhood, having that. And then also that you had the business for about three years, but something that stood out to me in the beginning. So it wasn't a, a question yet, but now it is, <laughs> was that your father is in the church. And so are you in the church now? Are you, do you, I am actually a Buddhist. I have been Buddhist there for, um, actually well before I started becoming a psychic, I was a Buddhist. Um, I think I transitioned from Christianity to Buddhism in 2011, 2011, 2011. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been Buddhist for over 10 years now. What caused so the transition? Um, I just, with Christianity and with Buddhism, I just began to study. And I found that Christianity, a lot of the things like um, Passover, baptism, a lot of the staples in Christianity, I don't feel that towards myself in religion. I don't feel like I need different placeholders to feel connected to God. Mm. So that's, that's why I take placeholders. Yeah. I like that. And it does yeah. feel like that when you, and I think Christianity has a powerful place in the world for people who promote their life or was not, dedicate their lives to Christianity and, and mm-hmm. to that movement because, you know, there's the community. And I feel like it, it stands so strong and probably most, most popular one is because it has a lot of truth, even though there might have been some manipulation with doctrine or anything of that nature. And that, that could be another episode. But I feel that when I observe, because I have a, a different spiritual journey been looking at a lot of different things and what I've observed from Christianity is almost like if, if today if, if Jesus and everybody was in the Bible they would be like they would have a lot of followers because of <laughs> the the tweets that they have and the verses and stuff like that oh, like would be dropping zeros <laughs> let me tell you now Paul was my favorite Paul was my favorite Noah Hebuchadnezzar Hebuchadnezzar seriously Rashad Meshach and Abednego uh-huh. It would be on fire. <laughs> Don't nobody think about it. But I never had a personal grudge against Christianity. I love yeah. Christianity. I enjoy, you know, that connection with my dad and with my mom and with my grandmother before she passed. She was a heavily devoted Christian. I just found that those things weren't telling me what I needed to know. And that's why I transitioned to Buddhism. Yes. Yeah. From like, I think my dad became a pastor before I even turned one years old. Oh, yeah. You know, so I was raised in the church, raised in the church. Yeah. Uh, And I have no issue with the church. A lot of people want to contrive and contribute and say, well, the church made this people this way. The church made this people that way. Tell you something. I, I right hand of God. I do not see any of those things that people talk about inside yeah. the church. They, yeah. I don't see it. I don't see it. And it's one of those things where if you look for it, you'll find yeah. it. But mm. if you come to church just to connect with your Savior, if you know Jesus Christ died on the cross for the remittance of your sins, you go to Passover, you go to Easter Rise Sunday, you go to New Year's night celebration, that's your choice. That's beautiful. That is a lovely cultural thing. That is a lovely religion to have. It just, for me, that is not my religion. Yeah, and I believe people, and I've always liked to have the conversation about religion and spirituality when it presents itself because I feel like it's important for people to have a choice and to be guided in direction that it feels true to them because what happens is from my experience of, and just observing, I feel like people kind of, you know, you're born into something and you feel like that's it. And then if you don't really resonate with it, you're almost forced to believe it. But if anybody is forcing you to believe in it, is it really an authentic relationship and connection to whatever experiences that you're having, you know, and to explore different spiritualities can also give you more ammunition to what your actual truth is. You'll find your way back to whatever it is that really aligns to you with 
without that restriction. And I honestly believe that uh, spirituality religion, it has its place to help guide us to a better humanity, to help us with our souls and all these things that, you know, we go in and we seek that is a service purpose. And it's supposed to be a good tool, but just like any tool that's abused, you know, if it's abused, mm-hmm. it, it's going to see all those things that people talk about, like, oh, this is wrong or this is happening there. It's like, because not because of what the, the experience is or the, the religion or the tool is, but because how people who use that tool have dirtied it or, you know, made it that way. But that is another episode. So I'm going <laughs> to go back to some questions that I have for you. And actually that kind of went into the second one because I was wondering about your spirituality and, and how you define your spirituality. And you kind of said that you walk in the, in the Buddhist walk. Uh, what do you like about um, the Buddhist experience? My favorite thing about being a Buddhist is the silence. Mm. It's the silence. I'm not a very loud person. I'm not a very loud person. Even when I played volleyball, the my volleyball coach would constantly yell at me to yell, yell here. Like, you know, when you get there to the ball, uh-huh. you're supposed to yell here so your teammates don't trample you. Never did it. <laughs> Never did it. I could not get in the games because I could not learn how to yell here. I'm not a loud person. I've never been a loud person. And with Buddhism, about four or five dedicated hours of just sitting in absolute silence. And a lot of people think, okay, well, what about the fan going or the air conditioner going or the TV going? You turn all of that off. You turn all of that off. You put your pets in the crate. You make sure nothing is about to fall off the table and interrupt your meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, You can get soundproof windows, which I wish I could afford soundproof. (laughs) You become so immersed in the fact that you can be one with your thoughts and that silence Mm -hmm. and just listen listening to yourself think it's it's relieving it's a true release yeah I love that so um going back to dreaming what is your perspective on someone who doesn't feel like they have any dreams at all or don't remember them what would you say I think that there are people born in this world that don't remember their dreams. I have a sister, right? My sister very rarely remembers her dreams. I can yeah. ask her just because I want to be nosy and know what's going on in her mind just to pick her mind. She's my sister. Uh-huh. I can ask her like, what did you dream about last night? She was like, I didn't have a dream. Or she'd be like, I dreamed something, but I don't remember. And I used to be like, are you just not telling me your dreams? She's like, no, <laughs> I really don't remember them. And I'm yeah. like, oh. Well, aren't you gifted? <laughs> some people say some people it's it's generally not even a nuisance to them. Yeah. Like their minds just not they're not their mind isn't corrupted or there's not some type of witch on a broomstick taking away their dreams. They just don't yeah. remember them. They just uh, don't remember them or they don't have them. They just don't. <laughs> It's different. I wonder to myself, does she try to induce herself to having a dream? And she was like, no. I was like, because we were like, I was like a year, like maybe a year before um, 9-11. I had just met my sister. So Mm -hmm. because I didn't meet her until I was in like the fourth, fifth grade. My dad didn't know he had a daughter, but I met her. And I even at, like I said, at a very young age, I was very connected to different things amongst spirit. And dreams was my first thing. I always wanted to know people's dreams. I'd ask my mom, my dad, my brothers. And when I met my sister, it was like intense. Every day I would call her and ask her, did she have a dream? Because I wanted to interpret it. Even though my mind was only the mind of like a fourth grader, I wanted to know if she was happy or sad. That was basically what I wanted to get out of it. And so... I used to be like, my sister's not having any dreams, God. Can you give her a dream about me so I can <laughs> think about me because I love her. Aww. And, so, and she, every every day I call, I'd be like, did you have a dream? She'd be like, no. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> just gotta wait, wait until you have a dream. Honestly, there's not even a handful of times. She does not, she does not remember them. If she does, I think she just automatically logs the interpretation in her mind and she just goes with it. Mm. And that's why she doesn't, she can't recall it. It's because it autom- her mind works like at hyperspeed because some people have quantum abilities. Like mm-hmm. me, I have psychic abilities and I 
sneaky suspicion now that we're older. I think my sister has quantum abilities, which are abilities that are vastly more productive and vastly more giant than mine. Now, they can't reach the amount of mass that mine can reach because they are very specific to that individual. But she has, I'm just saying it now, she has quantum abilities because I mean, I I mean, I used to ask her every day and I would be like, (laughs) try to send like little dream, little dream frequencies to her. So she'd dream about me and... (laughs) (laughs) So when you say quantum abilities, can you elaborate just a little bit more? So what is the example of someone who has quantum abilities? What is that experience? I'm a person who has quantum abilities. Oh God, almost knocked that out of my nose. They're the type of people that when you see a fork falling, they can catch it before it hits the ground. Mm. They have a quantum latch in their mind, basically, that'll unlatch and latch. It can say unlatch, it can latch, it'll unlatch, it'll latch, it'll unlatch, it'll latch. And they are, they're able to do things just a little bit quicker. And it's consistent. That's the thing that makes it, that's the thing that makes it a quantum ability is not that they're able to move at a faster speed or to hear better with their ears. It's that it's, it's, it's constant. And this is with the thoughts in their mind? I mean, um, not necessarily because quantum is, quantum, quantum science is, is it can be physical and it can also be metaphysical. You hear a lot of people say they're an empath mm-hmm. and they want to work at being an empath. Empath or being an empath is actually a quantum ability. And it's actually very, very rare. It's very rare to walk into a room of over 50 people and be able to tell individually what every person is feeling. And a lot of people want that ability because it's so pushed on media and it's so pushed in markets and it's so well talked about. And everybody that talks about it seems so well versed. They seem like they know exactly. They're telling you that you have these abilities. It's not necessarily true. I think um, the last time I read some research on it and I think that was like 2000 and maybe 2017, 2016, 2017 is the last time I ever read anything about it because I don't have a quantum ability. I just have regular psychic abilities. But um, I think it said that a true empath, somebody that is empath, there's only about three of them born into the earth every thousand years. So it's there's not there's not a lot of impasse. There's a lot of people that have abundant observation abilities, and that is a quantum ability to be observant to the point where you can pick up on a person's emotional state. It's not an impasse. That's a quantum ability. That's an ability that you can latch and unlatch. It you can turn it on. You can turn it off. Do you believe that everyone is given one of these abilities, or two, or three, or even zero? I do. I do. So how would they go about finding what their ability is? Um, well, I think the the nationality that developed the most accurate tests and that still practices today is the Chinese, the Asians, the Koreans, and the Filipinos, in which uh, they like to know very early on, like when a baby starts crawling, what exact family members are around it in the metaphysical. So what they like to do is place um, artifacts or family heirlooms around the child. And whichever one the child crawls to is the one that's the family member that is there watching them. So that set of abilities of, uh, let's say if Mang Zhang Pa, the great uncle, was able to tell before a tsunami hit, just saying, no jokes, no puns intended. If he was able to tell before a tsunami hit and he saved the family, and let's say you have a little daughter who goes and picks up his pentacle, his little glasses or whatever, you know, toy, like a yo-yo. That ability, the Asian, the Filipinos, the Koreans, they automatically believe that's transferred over to that child. And that's a way that you can tell that child is going to have spiritual abilities. It's not very hard, honestly. You have kids that everybody wants to live in a world where they're teaching their kids how to write at an early age, how to learn their ABCs at an early age, how to tie their shoes at an early age. Very modern, mundane task are what we have been centered around teaching our children. But a lot of cultures still believe in quantum abilities. They still believe in finding abilities in their children at young ages. Even the Indians, the Hindus, they have a a whole school dedicated to children who have substantially gifted math skills. 
substantially gifted math skills. And a lot of people, they make jokes nowadays. They say, oh, well, if you're that small, that math, you must be autistic. It's very different, the world that we live in compared to different countries where different things are guided as, you know, being touched from the other side. We live in the Americas, at least. We live in a very different world where they're not necessarily looked at as gifts. They're just looked at as mental problems. Yeah. I wonder if because of the, I guess, the muffledness, I'm making up a word, I don't know if that's a word, the muffledness or the <laughs> restriction or the lack of ex- exploration of those gifts is why some people aren't really tapping into it. Like maybe people have gifts and they might have, you know, I don't a psychic ability or whatever ability, but it might be shunned. Like they might grow up into a religion where, you know, for instance, Christianity is heavy on, well, I guess it depends on which sector of Christianity but some of them don't, you know, mess with, you know, psychics or, or tarot readers well, and things like that. You know, with Christianity, and this is just my take on it, it's not a fact, it's not written in a book yet. I'm not <laughs> with a book. Okay. But with Christianity, a lot of people don't understand the amount of work that the pastor actually does before you do the things that you do. A lot of people don't understand the baptism. People say, oh, you just feel a word. And it's so sad because, like I said, Christianity is a beautiful culture and we need to appreciate that culture because if you don't, then you get the people that are shunned. A lot of people don't understand before a baptism, there are weeks in advance that you're pastor is having the pool blessed. He's blessing the pool. He's cleansing the pool. He's making sure that the specific water that's in that pool is a specific type of water, the type to conduct correctly the transparency and to apply the initial things that you need when you're baptized. A lot of people don't see that. They just come in that day with the white cloth on. They're like, oh, well, the white cloth represents spirituality. There are different, there's the noise of the head before you're baptized. There's the prayer that's said over you before you're baptized. There's the verses, the scriptures that every single church reads these same scriptures. You can't deny that there is a metaphysical power connecting you to things when you're in Christianity. The people that deny it are the people, the same people that will toss a stone and then hide their hand. Yeah. You can't look at those people. Like, like I said, a lot of people go into church and they're always noticing those types of things. If you're going to church to be close to your savior, definitely don't pay attention to that because there's work into being, you know, in inside of Christianity. There's work. People think, oh, it's just tithes and offerings and oh, it's just, you just go ahead and pay your tithes and then God will look out for you. But that is true. You don't have to have very much for God to look after you, but for God to actually speak and guide you, it's a little bit more than paying $10 a week. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And I just want to reiterate, I am an advocate for people just finding their path, you know, finding their agreement, their truth. And I think that we are all in the world. We are finding answers and people have found their truth. Some people are still on the journey of finding their truth. And I would just encourage people to really live an authentic life. You know, if you are following whatever you follow, if it's helping you, if it's if it's guiding you, let it be so. And if it's not and you have questions, don't ignore those questions. And I think, and I'm just sharing that because for me, having questions was so important because it also tapped me into a world where I wasn't just listening to what someone said and agreed to that because someone told me. I wanted to actually understand my journey and it took me on a journey, guys. It definitely took me on a journey, so... And I, if any time someone comes on the channel, I, this is an open-minded podcast I, and I invite all different type of perspectives and mindsets and even for us to question and to play around with unpopular opinions and things of that nature. And I just want to say this was such a joy to be here with you today, Harmon. I probably could sit on this, this call with you for a long time, actually. So I am intentionally trying to bring us to a close because I could just feel myself about to have a conversation with you that lasts longer than what I want this podcast to be. But thank you so much for your presence here. I really enjoyed myself. I really enjoy experiencing you and your mind. And it was 
so it was so beautiful how you were able to interpret a dream and I appreciate that so I am thank you also I mean it's a big step for me to be able to even do something like this I was not expecting this to come into my life I kid you not I thought I would be paying for commercial ads yeah (laughs) I I would be able to be twice on a podcast yeah yeah come through (laughs) (laughs) through. (laughs) right right you hear a second time I might like you a little bit No, you are a pleasure. I really, really enjoyed you. And then, and, and when you came on the um on the show on YouTube, like you had such great energy, and I just your smile is just amazing. Thank you literally, you. you can just see the light through that. So thank you, thank you. And I want to give you this opportunity now to share anything that you want to share with the listeners and to close us out with a self-activity statement. But before you do that, I'm going mm-hmm. to share with those who are listening for the first time, Carmen is going to share her self-activity statement when she closes out. And if you haven't heard of a self-activity statement, it's because I've made it up, but it's very similar to what we know as affirmations, but it's intentional one. So if you think of a formula, you think of a sentence, it is an I statement or your affirmation of what you want in your life or what you proclaim in your life. What is your, your, value statement for you that could be for the day that could be for the week that could be for the month that could be a goal that you have so for example if I want to have a flat stomach and that's one of my goals a a small self-serving statement would be I have a flat stomach and I am going to make sure I drink the proper amount of water each day so that it could help me on that journey. So the end is going to connect you to what action supports. I know we're getting to some math here <laughs> or whatever. It's, it's like when you're in English class, you have a main point and then you have a supporting sentence. That supporting sentence for your affirmation is the, the action. So I want people to be really intentional about not just saying this is what I want, but how are you going to do it? How are you going to be a part of that goal for your life? So with that being said, Harmon, close us out with anything that you want to share how people can connect with you and don't forget your selectivity statement at the end okay um well i have had an amazing time this has been so so great to talk with everyone and to have you all listen in on the podcast i hope you enjoyed the games they're a very great way to see just where a person is and what type of questions can (laughs) be asked um, if you want to contact me, I have a standing running phone number. It's 205-538-0649. That is my direct line, which will allow you to book an appointment. If you cannot reach me on the direct line, you can go to my website, which is blackvigilantpsychic.com. Again, that's blackvigilantpsychic.com. I'm available for appointments there. And if you cannot find me there, you can definitely visit my Facebook page, which is Black Psychic. There, you can pull me up on Facebook. You have my number. Again, it's 205-538-0649. That's if you would like a tarot card reading or a dream interpretation. I am always available for appointments. And this statement, I hope that it gives some of you the willpower to get up and start being dedicated to yourself. We're going to start now. (laughs) I am no longer poor. My writing ability will open doors of a wealthy future. Oh, perfect. Perfection. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ma'am. I had a great time. Thank you so much for investing your time in me today by being here. And for those who are listeners, thank you for investing your time with us by listening to the podcast. I always wanted to encourage you that whenever you're here listening to the podcast, that if there was any return on the investment of time you spent to write it out. What is it that you agree with? What is it that you disagree with? You don't have to listen to this podcast and because I'm happy say, hey, everything that Danny's saying, everybody she brings on is what I align with. I want you to be intentional. I want you to be intentional about what exactly you are fed and if you're going to chew it or not or if you're going to give it back you're not going to add stock to it yada 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 until next time everyone hold on to you as much as you can hold on to your health your being and your mind be mindful bye 